Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. My favourite part of that episode oh, is when the uh, the Chinese stig at the end comes up and kicks James May and Jeremy turns to him <laughs> and goes, Ooh, in the plums! <laughs> this is the Formula Nerds podcast where we talk everything F1, the latest results, what's going on in the sport, controversy, and of course, rumours. Welcome along to Cut to the Race, the podcast by the Formula Nerds. It's the 19th of September today, and this is very bad because it's a non-F1 qualifying day. So we have no F1 this weekend, which means we have to think of original other things to talk about rather than the race, which we will do. Um, But what I wanted to start with today was just... Obviously, a welcome to our panel. We have Johnny here. Hi, hi. We have Matt. Hello, hello, hello. If you're joining us again, we're glad you're back. And we have Will. Right, my lovers, let's get into this. Gert Lush, that's the badger. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But let's just start today with the driver standings, because as we were doing the research for this podcast together, uh, about 10 minutes before we started recording it, um, we, we went, oh my God, have you seen the driver standings? So um, Matt, I'm going to pass it to you to tell me the driver standings without looking at them. Oh Lord. Uh, <laughs> well, top two are easy. We all know that's Lewis Hamilton followed semi-closely by Botas. Uh, and yes. Botas. Botas. <laughs> uh, Max will be in there as well. Uh, yeah. In third. From you've, there, the top three. You've, you've hit the top three. So we've got Hamilton standing at 190. Botas in second with 135. And Verstappen just a little bit behind on 110. But who's fourth, Matt? Fourth is either going to be. It's got to be Albon or Norris. I'm going to guess Albon. Nor- Norris. Yes. I'm go with Norris. Followed yes. closely by Alex Albon. They're, they're close when I looked earlier in the week, and I don't remember. Okay, so we've got yeah, Norris. Norris is in fourth on 65 with Albon behind on 63. Now, who would have said Norris? That's mad, fourth? isn't it? Like, considering uh, the season that McLaren had last year, which was a bit of a joke, and and especially when they had Alonso and, and Van Dorn, that was, that was bad. So this is... Uh, yeah, I, I'm loving this. I'm trying not to be too smug about this. We've nailed the top five. We've got Albon um, in fifth. Who, who's sixth, Matt? Uh, I'll do it since Emma is not here. Uh, that has to be Stroll. That is Stroll on 57 <laughs> points. <laughs> Stroll somewhere in Scotland. Emma is currently throwing up because Lance Stroll's name has been mentioned. We, we, we managed. She said it was a family holiday. She just needed the holiday for Marsh shenanigans, I think, is what it boils down to. <laughs> um, uh, seventh Matt. Smiley. Danny Rick. Has to be a Renault driver in there. Yep, he is. Um, he's only four points behind on 53 points. And exactly. then let's just reel off the last, uh, the last three. So eighth, ninth, and tenth. 
Sergio Perez, Pierre Gasly, Charles. I'll, I'll go. I'll say Charles. You did it just in completely the wrong order. So eighth is Leclerc. Typical. With 49 points, closely followed by Perez with 43 points. And then even closer is Gasly in 10th with 43 points. So there is, just looking at it here, there's 10 points between um, 7th and 10th. And only 20 points between 5th and 10th. Now that's a close bottom 10, isn't it? Well, not bottom 10. Ferrari in hot contention from the midfield. And Carlos Sainz will not be far out of that top 10 either. I mean, I have no idea what the points numbers are. He's going to be knock on the door. He's had a couple of very solid races. Uh, obviously Lando's chased down on the last three laps. <laughs> uh, definitely boosted his numbers there, but in the same breath that McLaren has come such a long way, who would have thought at the end of the season last year, we we're talking about the first Ferrari driver would be fighting for eight. That just, Oh, 2020. When will your madness end? I think we've just got to go back to, to Stroll here in, in, in sixth for the championship. So he's on 57 points. Now, he he could be in fourth place. He could overtake Norris with another 10 points. Now, why isn't Stroll getting the credit he deserved for his success at the moment? Emma, Emma just puked again. <laughs> I'm sorry, Emma. <laughs> when you're listening to this, so sorry. I hate this episode so much. <laughs> That should be the title. Why is Lance Stroll not getting the credit he wants? Sorry, <laughs> what's going ha- to happen when one of our own presenters like unfollows and unsubscribes to our podcast because we keep using the S word so much? It'll just be imploding. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, let, let, let's talk about it though because it's a serious thing. No, it's it, a good point. It's a on the podcast point. last week, there was a, and I listened back to it. There was a cheer when we spoke about Lance Stroll going off the track. He is not a popular man, and I also remember. Um, well, I remember hating him. I, I don't like him personally. Um, does do any of us, Johnny? So I, I don't hate him, and I also don't like him. But if you're looking at his stats uh, for this year alone, uh, and I'm taking this from the article that kind of brought this subject onto our podcast. Uh, he's been in nine races this season. He's had two mechanical DNFs, so none of them his fault. Seven races finished, 57 points. This was obviously prior to, um, we called it the massacre. Let's call it the uh, crash tsunami at Mugello last week. Um, So, I mean, if you're just looking at those statistics, he's not shit. On that note, I mean, I think one of the things that he gets a lot of grief for is... um, is some uh, often things like his crashes where he's it's just kind of a lack of experience um uh things like uh when was it i think he got spun by vettel um uh and then uh, i can't remember exactly what race this was and came back onto the track in the same manner after having complained about what's he doing he's an for, idiot doing exactly the what's the Monster. ferrari doing um but but in fairness to him i feel like a lot of that's an experience he's evidently qualified you know Think of how many thousands of drivers um, in F2 and F3 who are really good and are really trying to make their mark, and he's risen to the top. Now, one of the things that I see that gets criticised at him a lot is uh, is his dad's got the money, and that's the reason he's in a team. And, I, yeah, I mean, arguably, that's a fair point. But if you look at other drivers in the grid, you know, uh, uh, people like Lando Norris, Alex Albon, um, obviously, Max Verstappen, um, they've all had the the benefit of, of a very wealthy family to help fund this, uh, this enterprise and this career that these, these guys want. So I, I feel like the whole, Oh, it's just his daddy's money kind of thing. It doesn't, it's kind of worn a bit thin with me. I think that was a fair comment there. Will about the, uh, the experience point. Now I've just quickly done a quick Google on Lance Stroll. Do you know what his date of birth is? This, this sort of puts it into perspective, right? The guy's been in 71 Grand Prix. Um, and he is was born on the 29th of October, 1998. What? The, he's only two years older than me. That's madness. <laughs> and you're the baby of the Formula Nerds as well. Uh, mate, I feel like, oh, f- what is life offering me? If that's if he's done that at his age, well, oh, well, where have we I? all gone wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and here we are together on Zoom talking about Formula One and Lance Johnson. <laughs> I think another thing that really plays into, you know, especially this year, uh, Checo Perez, you know, 
consistently produces at that team. He is basically the reason that team survived uh, after the rebrand from Force India. He saved all those jobs. He's such an endearing character. His interviews, very humble, very soft spoken. Yes, you know, he does come with his own political, uh, excuse me, financial backing. Uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name in Mexico City. You know, everybody has sponsors, everybody has that financial boost to make them more appealing and more uh, sound an investment as a driver. Where it becomes troublesome for the world on the whole, Blant Stroll is, it's that old world nepotism of daddy runs the team son gets the seat no matter who the other driver is even if they are a better driver which is and even though the points don't reflect this i still would rather have checo perez driving my car than lance at this point uh, it's up to him to change my mind on that but if i own the team and it, as lawrence of course he's going to give the seat to lance that's a given and that is that's lawrence stroll's right his name is on the checks. He's the one keeping everybody employed. Uh, but I think it's been especially bitter for people to swallow that, you know, no matter how much you dislike somebody, I personally, I can't stand the way Lance Stroll interviews. Uh, but if you're signing the checks, you make the shots. So at the end of the day, whether we think Lance Stroll deserves the seat or not, uh, it's a foregone conclusion because dad's the boss and he's starting to back that up. But I, I think it's it's still important to to keep in mind, you know, born in ninety eight, so he's what twelve. Math is not my strongest subject, but <laughs> we, we we tend to forget that these. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Matt. We tend to forget that these these uh, high profile people are not very old. You know, Max Verstappen is. Uh, if we if we say Lance is twelve, he's seventeen. You know, Leclerc is is somewhere around the fifteen year. Like they, when Max Verstappen came in, he couldn't even drive a road car. Max is only a year young. older. Just just to just to let you know, Max is only one year older than Lance. So there there we go. I mean, he does an interview well. Okay, he's 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 twenty two uh, or twenty one or however old he is. Um, I think we get so used to seeing these people on TV and they're, they're sitting side by side with, with older, more uh, experienced people like uh, Fedor, Bottas, uh, Hamilton, even that we forget that these, these, they're kids. They're basically kids, these guys. And so I think there will be some maturity sneaking in on Lance soon. Uh, I think he'll be forced to, and and with with um, you know obviously Lawrence to your point uh, Matt Lawrence is going to keep him in the team as long as he can and fair play but you don't get a seat in that car if you can't drive a race car and he can he's not the best but he can drive and you know <laughs> uh, without divulging too much you know I may be the old man of this group today uh, I'm 31. And looking at these F1 drivers, oh, J- Johnny, you're the old man. That's right. Oof. We won't drag you for the world to see here, Johnny. Uh, but, you know, as a quote-unquote older man, looking at these new drivers coming up into Formula 3 or in American football even, you know, sports heroes, people around the world look up to them. You know, as a kid watching these drivers, you always assume when they come into that world, into that contract, you know, that's somebody that's made it. They're there. They know what they're doing. They've done everything correct. They're at the top of their game. That That's a man. <laughs> but then you realize, Lando Norris can't even buy a beer in America. Yeah, but that's because America's there. stupid, mate. That's because they've got ridiculous No, no argument. No argument here. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. It's, it's crazy. I mean, England's not much better. This idea that you can have a beer. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it. Sorry. And, and let's be fair, he probably could get a beer, but legally he wouldn't be able to. I would get it for him. Sorry, Mr. <laughs> FBI agent, if you're listening. <laughs> but it's just it's wild to think about. You know, we expect such professionalism and a calm demeanor and a cool headedness when they're probably just as some of these people may be just as shocked that they're there as we are. I know if I was in an F1 car at their age, there would be a lot more reason to hate me than there is to hate Lance Stroll. <laughs> It's interesting. We're talking about age and stuff. I've just looked up who I think is this year's most popular driver from all over social media. Who is the man of this year? Would you say all over the all over the the social medias? Just have a guess. 
Oh, it's got to be Landon Norris. I mean, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. Twitch, everything. <laughs> He's got all bases covered. So, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. He was born on the 13th of November 1999, so he's even younger. But that just shows it's you that, that age is pointless talking about, isn't it? It, 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 it actually, we've ruined our own argument here about, um, about why Lance Stroll is... <laughs> <laughs> so, are we calling this episode self-sabotage? Is that where we're going to go with? <laughs> the, for, the rise and fall of the Formula Nerds. I can make a documentary on it. We'll have it out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Yeah, 10 hours well. What was interesting, again, in the news this week was Sykes spoke out, and I, I, I quote here, Sykes mm. is a little angry at the way Perez has had to make way for Vettel coming into the team. What's your thoughts on that? Why is he getting involved? I feel like science is... is, is I feel like science's beef is because... Um, I, I might be making this up but I feel like he's friends with Checo I think they've known each other for a while um but I guess also science knows you know like you know I, I from his experience with Renault he kind of knows what it's like to be in a team that don't that doesn't value you properly um and I I feel like um Europeans have got a really kind of a really admirable sense of morality and so whereas a Brit might just sort of sit back and be like oh well you know at the end of the day we're just going to move on and keep you know and, and do that kind of thing he's probably like no I feel strongly about this Checkers put all this money and time and, and energy you know because that's ultimately what it all comes down to into saving this team and he's getting kicked out so yeah I can see science's point well, also as a human being, I mean, you have to feel for Checo on some level. Even if you're a Lance Stroll fan, as your number one fan, you have to go, you know, we are here because of you. Thank you for all you've done for us and everything. It's, it's just an empathetic statement, I believe, on science's part. Uh, you can't help but feel for him at the end he, of the day. He, he actually continued to say, Checo's exit is a shame because the team that he's trusted in for so many years that he practically saved from bankruptcy and they finally get a producing good car for him is now the team that does not want to continue with him. It's a real shame. I think that's fair. I, I, and that's such a mature a mature point as well from, a, you know, because we've seen drivers come out with sort of really silly things, but he's actually said exactly what, what needs to be, you know, it's kind of a bit more meaningful than just sort of, oh, it's a shame to see him go. And I, I think it's fair play. I mean, we're, we when we see the driver interviews, there is, uh, what, six PR specialists right next to the drivers recording everything they're saying. And that just typically makes their statements bland. He's actually sticking up for himself. Like, this guy should not have been cut from the team, in my opinion. And fair play, go for it. I mean, that's personally what I like. I like when they have personality. I love Kimi Raikkonen. I love, uh, you know, Kevin always says his opinion. And I'd rather that and then having some controversy than 20, 20 drivers that just go, oh, you know, fair play. Uh, it's a cultural mm. world. Say your opinion. Have your say. Instead of being the Ricky Bobby, uh, you know, the KFC chicken nugget car ran really good today. The scripted exactly garbage they make mm -hmm. them put out. Yep. You know the most memorable press conference moments for me are obviously uh, a certain exchange involving Nico Hulkenberg and Kevin Magnussen about <laughs> parts of the male anatomy and what should be done with them. Uh, but it is the most humanizing thing when they have an opinion, and it's not just drone memorization of okay, I have to use the proper name for the team and thank all my sponsors day in day out. You know, have an opinion, stand up for what's right. Mm -hmm. And speak your mind. That's it. Humanizes them, makes them real. Yeah. You're not just car driving robots. Now, what what was also very interesting about this whole Perez situation? We we know he's a good driver. We know he can do it. Um, McLaren have given him a little way out, uh, and that was um, Zach Brown's wording. There, it was um, an escape route should Perez choose it. Um, Zach Brown said he would take him on to the IndyCar team, the McLaren IndyCar team. Because that's worked so well for Formula One drivers in the past. Look yeah, at you, Alonso. Isn't that where they go to die? Basically, their careers just like who who went there? So Juan Pablo Montoya went from being a world champ to driving Indy cars, right? Alonso did the same. It's not gone that well for either of them. Alonso's coming back, so you could argue. It's yeah. Alonso's already come back. Um, but the, 
when you talk about the graveyard of Formula One drivers, I'd argue that that's Formula E personally, but that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> okay, I mean, right, Ollie, we're going to have some issues, you and me, mate. Do you want to? Oh down no! <laughs> no, I, I feel I kind of I appreciate what you guys say. Like you know, as a racing driver, you probably want to finish your career doing something really memorable, and maybe hmm, I don't know if IndyCar is is that way, but just from like a family point of view. If Checo's kind of, you know, looking to kind of recoup some of the money that he's spent vast quantities, assumedly, on uh, on Racing Point, IndyCar might be a way for him to just sort of, I don't know, maybe stick at the top of the midfield, maybe try and, you know, make it interesting and sort of plod along and try and get a bit of cash. Also, at IndyCar currently, we still have Marcus Erickson. And I have watched a little bit. I've dabbled, especially when I'm going through Formula One withdrawals. Uh, you know, Fernando Alonso failed to qualify for Indianapolis, the Indianapolis 500 last year in IndyCar. Marcus Erickson, I can't remember the team he's driving for because I'm a Formula One nerd, not an IndyCar nerd. Uh, yeah, normally runs in the top 10. Uh, I've not seen how many podiums. I like to say I'm not very well versed. It's just, I think the other day, it's yes, recoup the money. The money is there. Let's not forget there's no salary caps in IndyCar. Uh, but also, it's the love of the drive, it's a fast car with an engine, with a steering wheel, and it's it, that's home. Checo Perez is more at home at 200 miles an hour than I may be sitting here in my home surrounded by <laughs> familiarity. That's his familiarity. Think of the time on the road these guys spent. His entire life from carting up has been devoted to that. That would be like losing a part of his soul. Uh, and to fair play to Alonso on that. I think that's the reason Alonso is coming back, is that that's what he needs to feel whole as a human being and go off, do it, man. I would love to see him in another formula, in another drive somewhere where I can cheer him on and see him succeed. Talking about Renault science, it takes us naturally into the first Chinese driver to be in F1. Now, he's just completed his first test for um, Renault. Is that correct? Yes. Guan Yu Zhao. Joe? I was supposed to be the one to get this right, and I've already butchered it. Uh, <laughs> so, just to all our listeners, I said in the pre-show, uh, little when we talk about what we're going to talk about, I said I- I'm not going to be able to pronounce that name, so I'm just going to have to call him a Chinese F2 driver, and then Matt is going to say his name. That's gone really well. Yeah, that I've, one of those uh, has to be no correct. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's I think it's Zhou is his last name. That is right. I don't know where the Zhao came from. Call it stage fright. Uh, but has completed his test for Renault and. During the dark times of the pandemic lockdown beginning this year, you all may remember that he absolutely obliterated in the E-Series races. And to have that continued success in F2, especially with the We Drive as one and the equality that Lewis Hamilton is pushing for, it's a great thing to see. Uh, you know, the more diverse the field, the more people the sport appeals to, we could see a larger field if it continues to grow at this rate. So it would be wonderful to see him work through the ranks and join some of the other great drivers we've had come from Asia before. So we, I couldn't actually believe that we've never had a Chinese F1 driver. I just couldn't get my head around it. Now, who are the other the greats from, from, from Asia when we talk about F1? I mean, you had to start with Kamui Kobayashi. Has to be the first uh asiatic driver to be listed in that uh i don't know the numbers of how many there have been you know you have kamui kobayashi takuma sato aguri suzuki narain karthikeyan let's see once again getting the names wrong and satoru nakajima uh those are the five bam 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 right there you should be able we should all think of uh karun chando india are we are we are we, are we, are we going to count that <laughs> Technically, that's is part yeah. of that region of the world, but I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, very, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see um, this gentleman. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name, but it'll be interesting <laughs> to see him um, if he's able to, to to get a seat, and if so, will he be better than his Asian predecessors? Um, you know, there's there's a big step up from dominating the e-series to to being in there for real um renault obviously has a has a has a competitive car this season uh so why wouldn't they have one next season if he's able to secure a seat that that'll be interesting to follow 
Well, also, you know, speaking of Takuma Sato, he is now a two-time Indianapolis 500 winner, uh, winning the Indianapolis 500 this year. It just goes to show, like we were talking about Checo going off to IndyCar. You know, if this trend continues, we may see eventually in time, you know, past their prime, I'll use F1 drivers, destroying worlds and other formulas. So even if your driver departs F1, there are other ways you can watch them. If you're a Saltful Van Dorn fan, sorry, hate that for you, but he's a Formula E, which is a new borders winning formula out there. You know, it just because you leave Formula One doesn't mean it's the end, which I think a lot of people forget. Somehow Fernando Alonso is a boomerang, keeps coming back. But uh <laughs> most of the time there's some other way to watch those guys continue to dominate and compete. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, and there's not many drivers who have made much of a return. Um, the one thing you don't see is anyone going from F1 into F2. That's I don't think that's ever happened, does it? Ever. I can't think of any notable uh, instances when that's happened. Just uh, just going back to your point, Ollie. By the way, about uh, how it's kind of surprising that this uh, this guy is the first, or w- might be the first uh, Asian, uh, first Chinese driver. Sorry, Chinese. in F1. Yes. Um, it's, it's not, I mean, when you think about it, it's not incredibly surprising. Um, Asia has, uh, well, and China specifically, uh, has no motoring heritage. Um, you know, F1 was born in the country clubs, uh, and out of the uh, pockets of rich gents and, uh, and young boys who didn't have really anything to do. And so they could afford to spend money on their cars. Um, uh, and there's, and, and also, there's just not as much investment in China uh, for this sort of thing, uh, despite what Liberty Media say. It's still a relatively basic trickle down system, and so um, you know it, it, it's kind of uh, how can I phrase this? It kind of makes sense that it's taken this long, and I feel like it's just one of those things where people have had to wait for a while for attitudes to change. But it's great to see that it's being universally recognised as a really good sport and something that's worthwhile, you know, for people to do if they love it. And with the you know Chinese auto industry, a lot of that is based upon, for lack of a better way, knocking off other automobiles that are already out there. And as horrible as I am at pronouncing Asiatic drivers' names, I will not even attempt Chinese auto manufacturers. That's just a losing. Enterprise. I will. <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, our, but you our know, brave normal blog will. will well, I'll Google Google's that. I just have to correct myself. So um, there are a number of drivers that have gone from F one to F two. Um, one of them. I is- wish the listeners could have seen the look on our face when you said that, because every single one of us had a brief moment of panic, looking around the room of going, "Who's taking this one? We don't know." <laughs> um, Alexander Rossi, uh, Roberto Mary. And you've got to get this one, Roman Grosjean. No. No. So he was in GP2. He got called up to um, F1 and then not retained and went back to F2 again. I'm visibly shaken by that. Wow. My source is Reddit. Just just calling it out there. So if if this is wrong hmm. and anyone writes into the nerds, the source is reddit.com forward slash r forward slash formula one forward slash comments. And anyway, I'll put a link in the description. But uh, we need that user's name so we can just drag him <laughs> and make sure <laughs> deflect, the mud, deflect, yeah. deflect. I found some names, by the way, of these Chinese companies, right? You've got one. One of them is called Geely, G W E L Y. Apparently, it's the biggest privately owned company. Uh, but my favorite one um, uh, is uh, Dongfeng Motor Corporation. Um, which is uh, actually uh, headquartered uh, in Wuhan. Um, so evidently that area is not just great at producing viruses, but also cars, I'm sure. Um, it's a massive company and they've got some, a lot of these are kind of generic, like Shanghai Automotive Industry Corporation, kind of basic, you know, not very exciting. But I thought Dongfeng, wow, fair play. That's brave. I keep thinking of the uh, the Top Gear special back in the golden days with Clarkson, uh, where they, where they go and try out the the cars, and just Jeremy Clarkson standing across a, a store wearing a fake Gucci, drinking a fake Starbucks, <laughs> <laughs> and and then they basically jump into a car where the front end is a Mercedes and the back end is a BMW. It's my favourite part of that episode uh-huh. is when the uh, the Chinese Stig at the end comes up and kicks James May, and Jeremy turns to him and goes, "Ooh, in the plums!" <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, with that, 
all of those companies that we'll just named, uh, you know, I, we've heard of Geely, uh, but outside of the Chinese market, it makes you wonder just how competitive those stocks are, the sort of revenues they're getting. You know, F1 is not a cheap game to enter. And mm. with the diplomatic policies of China, uh, not being a political nerd, formula nerd, once again, you know, how viable is it for these companies to get the capital to start an F1 team? What are their rights to even travel and compete in some of these other countries and things of that nature? Uh, yeah, maybe something worth exploring and researching on. I mean, you, you, you do see uh, Chinese athletes uh, roaming around, you know, uh, soccer or football, again, rather, sorry, uh, basketball here in the U.S., um, I think capital-wise, I, 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 I don't know that I would be worried. Uh, there is a lot of money in China, and if he gets the right backing, I, I, I don't see that being a, a great big problem for him. Now, political, I don't, I don't know what really to say there, and that this isn't a political podcast, but um, I'd be excited to see him. I'd be excited to see him. Um, it, it would be great to get some uh, some more diversity into the sport and some new names. Um, we we have a good crop of young talent right now uh, that entertained us all through the pandemic, and uh, uh, getting some new names in there would be would be great, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if you look at the big teams out there, well, I'll use Ollie as an example. You know, even Lewis Hamilton. You know, there are so many sponsors just for one car: Tommy Hilfiger, Patronus. UBS, DHL, keep turning Ollie. Let me see here. Well, you got on that shirt, Epson, TBC, all of that. You know, uh, the initial parent company would be able to uh, scrape together everything needed, but it's the longevity and the competitiveness that would make it viable. Uh, would need those extra sponsors. I, I may have misspoke that, not made that clear enough earlier. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> Talking of sort of young drivers and success in Formula One, um, Gasly's spoken this week and he said that staying at Alpha Tauri long term is not a bad thing for his career. Um, he says that the outfit has big ambitions to match Red Bull. And it's also worth noting that they're no longer the junior team. They're now the sister team to Red Bull. What, what does that mean? Personally, I think that... Um the wording of it means absolutely nothing. And um, because AlphaTauri have started to get a bit good, Red Bull have gone, oh, oh we, we probably should look like we care. You're our sister team. Way. Hey. So personally, <laughs> not convinced by that marketing ploy, even in the slightest. Um, they know what they're doing. Agreed. But it is very, 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 very exciting to see that he's made that statement of intent because it means that we might actually get a slightly fairer playing field, in my, in my opinion. Well, one of the things on that is, hey, remember those PR people we were talking about earlier, giving them the scripts? I think that comes into play with that mightily. Uh, but the other thing is, hey, Red Bull have not won a race this year. Alpha Tower have. And two, it's really hard to say that it's a feeder team or a developmental team when that playing field, hopefully with the intent of the 2022 regulation change, is going to bring it all closer together. So you may have Red Bull consistently fighting their sister in a sibling rivalry at the front of the pack with Alpha Tower and Red Bull. Uh, so I think it may be a uh, developmental towards the future, but also, you know, just covering their bases as to how they've closed the gap so mightily and so quickly. I think it's also a testament to how happy he is at Alpha. Um, well, we, we've all seen the uh, drive to survive or survive to drive or whatever we're calling it. Um, he was not treated well with Red Bull, uh, and he's he's clearly happy at Alpha, and now they're competitive. So I, I think it makes sense. The whole sister junior team, it probably doesn't mean anything. They'll probably still shift drivers around, whatever they feel like. But uh, I, I think it states intent, and I think it states that Alpha will be competitive going forward, especially with the new regulations. I'm I'm excited to hear someone step out and say that about a quote-unquote smaller team i believe i believe just just looking a bit more into it that the difference is um to do with the collaboration between the team i think there's a shift that um uh, alpha towery are going to be using some of um red bull's uh, facilities in milton Keynes as well um what um what france toast has said is that 
there's going to be a, six, a three and six month delay in this because evolution needs to take place. So basically, they're not going to give it to them this season is what they're saying. Ah, I wonder if they're trying to use that as a financial loophole in the 2022 regulations. If it's your sister, do you get a friends and family discount? Are we trying to get some some reduced cost wind tunnel testing for Alpha Tauri? Uh, hmm. That's very interesting. So uh, they're, they're they're moving from Alpha Tauri is not based in England. Am I right in saying that they're in Switzerland? Yeah. No, no. Alpha Romeo is in Switzerland, and Alpha oh. Tauri is in Italy. Italy. Oh, oh, okay. I I I, I got the alphas confused. "Quote unquote synergy." And cross con- cross departmental uh, collaboration. Oh God, I hate these words. This reminds me of corporations, but you know, <laughs> it's synergy, it, it's synergy, yeah, <laughs> synergy. Promote two point two is six. Um, it 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 will probably help Alpha going forward, and it, that's going to be exciting to follow. And if that is the reason for that, I'd be very, very curious to see what Ferrari will do with Haas. With Alfa Romeo, if there's an if that is a legitimate loophole that can be exploited, keep an eye on that. Yeah, because after all, Ferrari don't want to be the uh, second best team in Italy for much longer, do they? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta say, I had to say, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Brilliant, well. On that note, we're going to take a break, um, and we'll be back with you in just a few moments. So don't go anywhere. Lewis Hamilton has announced his Extreme E team called X44. Now, who even knows what Extreme E is? Let's give something for the listeners here. Cocaine drifting. Uh, so, yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's mad, uh, essentially, is what I've seen. Um, the, the way that I can try and work out is it's 4x4, like properly souped up 4x4 cars, and they race in circuits all around the globe, but specifically the difference being that they're racing in uh, environmentally sensitive areas, basically trying to promote, you know, hey, look at this fun race, but also we're doing it near something that's dying. Please, can somebody come and donate money? This needs fixing. Um, that's kind of what I gathered. I think you missed a fundamental difference here, is that it's electric. Well, oh, yeah, sorry, I thought that, sorry, yeah, I, I kind of pre-assessed, I <laughs> thought that people would think that, because it's, <laughs> sorry, I, yeah, it, uh, pff, that would be rather ironic, actually, in hindsight, wouldn't it? Yes, we're racing with these massive engines pumping out vast amounts of pollution right next to the polluted areas, because we want to speed this whole climate change issue up. Mm. I don't remember the actor's name that does the voiceover for Planet Earth. Thank you, Attenborough. All I could think (sighs) of is, here we see the last gray rhino in the wild. Then all of a sudden, a truck just flips through it at 120 miles an hour. (laughs) Uh, We didn't see. You could mistake this. As he crosses his natural habitat on the way to... Wouldn't really be an engine noise. It'd just be that electric battery engine, just Lewis hammering a rhino. Just right, the right, sweet hum of death wiping out wildlife on a globo industrial scale. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I'm not bothered by this. Now, so just just saying about Lewis. Now, um, on the press statement from Extreme E, Lewis will not be behind the wheel or involved in any day-to-day activities, but he will put the learnings of his motorsport career into practice to help guide the creation of the team he hasn't raced off-road and his experience is in driving completely aerodynamically different vehicles uh, i'm just s- saying so it sounds to me like he's he's doing this just for his name which is again perfectly fine i mean like more power to him if it gets more people interested but but i wish i don't know i just wish people wouldn't kind of dress things up as more than they are you know people are still going to watch it well isn't this going to be the continuation of his legacy supposedly after formula one as well so if he's not driving and he's not involved in day-to-day activities, which would mean managerial or developmental, what is his role in that? That's the third one, Well, he's founded it. It's, it's his name. It's his brand. He's pushing the ah. like, like you've said. And Lewis is very passionate about the environment. And if you didn't know, he's a vegan, so he can't wear leather shoes or leather belts. Oh, is he? Oh, somebody should have told us. Have <laughs> <laughs> you not seen that documentary, Will? <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, the world's quietest vegan. 
um, said in the most obnoxiously loud volume ever. Yes. Did you know Welcome to the new film for 2020. Lewis Hamilton is the quiet vegan. He runs. He drives. And he eats. Plants. Uh. So the last thing before we leave then today, there's been something about Ferrari in the news saying that they're going to be learning lessons from Schumacher. Is is that right? Yes. Uh, Matteo Bonotto came out this week and said they're going to look to use Schumacher era lessons to develop the team going forward, which there's a couple of key things there that I would like to discuss. First of all, that says something that Matteo Bonotto thinks his job is secure. Uh, going forward with Ferrari. I mean, he started off in like 96, I believe, as a test engine engineer, uh, which all this goes to say that despite how poorly they've been run, that's that's an unfair statement, how poor their results have been this year, that somehow that blame will not be laid at his feet uh, with the new design principle change, with them being caught with their hand in the cookie jar when it comes to their engines, uh, you know, Basically, he's stating that the regulations have put them in a bind. They have to find ways to enhance and capitalize upon the regulations as they are and as they will be going forward. Uh, you know, basically, they're writing off, in essence, this season and next season and looking to 2022 as their best opportunity uh, to become competitive again. Uh, the reason Mercedes has been so, well, let me rephrase. One of the reasons Mercedes has been so successful in the turbo hybrid era is everybody else. And, you know, I have a good buddy of mine that made this point the other day when they were told it's going to be a V6 engine with a turbo. Everybody was like, oh, right. We just make a V6 engine, slap on a turbo, Bob's your uncle, and away you go. Mercedes looked at it as to how to package that to develop the split housing turbo uh, to make it more compact makes it easier to develop aero works to go around it, change the center of gravity, how low it sits in the car, so on and so forth. And I think Ferrari got, and everybody else kind of got caught napping the first two years, uh, even though Renault was very, very competitive as for Ferrari. And now we're seeing that design principle being realized at such a successful level that nobody can compete. So they're kind of saying, right, we have missed the bus on this. We're going to wait until 2022 and try and jump back in here and have that same, you know, Prometheus discovering fire moment with those regulations to give themselves a competitive advantage. I don't think it's acceptable for Ferrari to say, yeah, we're just going to skip this year and next year. Um, no. If you haven't seen, by the way, on our Facebook page, Facebook Formula Nerds, um, we put Get a that plug this week about um, the Italian media slagging off, I mean destroying, I mean crucifying Ferrari. Now, they, they can't just say, yeah, we're just going to take this season, next season off, can they? I feel I feel kind of in two minds about it because on the one hand, from a very, very pragmatic point of view, if I was a Ferrari you know, CEO, I'd say, right, we've appreciated we're not going to be making any championship bid. We're probably uh, uh, not going to not going to do well in terms of uh, in terms of like just pure points. Let's write the season off and carry on, and then try and just use that time to to, to muck around for for next year. Um, so on the other hand, I can also see some of you shaking your heads because we want to see racing, and we don't want Ferrari, who are as we've covered before, a fundamental part of the sport to be lagging at the back and being like, ah, don't worry guys, leave us. We'll catch up next year. It's all right. We kind of want everyone together. That that's, that's not, that's not Ferrari. That's not any team on the grid. Like there, there is no team on that grid that would be satisfied being in the back. I, I, I am, I am dumbfounded by that statement that we're going to basically write off next year and the year after, like how, how is, how is anyone still employed? If you come out and say that as as the Ferrari team principal, I I, I don't get it. Now, so look, look into Schumacher. Sorry, if if, if you're looking to 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 the comment about Schumacher, I noted that he said the Schumacher era, which makes sense because they were dominating. So you want to learn from when you were at your best. Um, don't take two years. You've got two weeks. Get it fixed. <laughs> two weeks exactly you wouldn't hear Wolf saying we're going to just take next year off would you I mean um, it's 
it, it, it makes me cringe. You know, I, I, I've, I've openly said I'm a Mercedes fan, but God, I love, I love motorsport, and it makes me cringe that whole sort of that whole statement around we've just accepted we're not going to be competitive. I mean, really, Enzo, was the fuel flow meter that important? Enzo Ferrari would drag him through the streets like a pariah for making that statement. Uh, for Enzo Ferrari, the only reason anybody in the world that is not a racing driver drives a Ferrari car is because back in the day when Enzo started racing, he built cars to fund his racing. So that then to come to the modern day and say, you know what, we're, we're going to take a few years off. We'll figure out how to do it in 2022 and get a couple of regulations. It, it angers me on a level that I cannot put into words, even with a poor attempt at an Italian accent. Uh, that's appalling. And we make the pizza, we make the pasta, we make the crappa arrow. It's all uh, one big uh, jumble pot. Uh, I, I, to be it's, fair, guys, I've not been a fan as long as you. Um, and I'm not as annoyed about it, but I, I totally understand. If you're somebody who watches the sport for like like myself in a way actually for the history for the heritage for all of the the baggage that comes with just driving around a track seeing a team that important just bit just being like nah we're we're right lads in that kind of oh well it, it's just yeah it's disappointing to say the least actually it's almost like an f1 participation trophy like oh good job guys you're out there and you gave your best we'll get them next time <laughs> No, put your head down and work. Everybody is going to a design change in 2022. If Ferrari is so unconfident in their ability to produce and perform with the same amount of time of research and development, then they need to lose, as a Ferrari fan, they need to lose this sense of elitism and exceptionalism that comes with the brand. Uh, Ferrari has gotten away with historically so much more than other teams. The fact that they were not fine, once again, as a Ferrari fan, the fact that they were not in deeper <laughs> boiling water, that's the edited version we'll use for that. They were not in deeper trouble for the engine fiasco last year. If that was another small team, I can guarantee you Ferrari would have been on the forefront of that charge to just completely destroy that team's ability to go forward. And Ferrari's like, oh, we're Ferrari. We do what we want. And it just, it, and then to say we're not going to worry about this year uh, really, really upsets me and should upset F1 fans the world over. Well, okay, moving on. Next week, we've got the Russian Grand Prix. Now, this has got to be one of my least favorite races of the year. Oh, are you serious? I it thought is. that was a meme. All <laughs> aboard the train, the choo I'm not, I'm not even joking. Woo, woo. I thought the Russian GP was a meme for Putin to, to plug himself politically. Oh, my God. <laughs> Russian Grand Prix oh. is happening next weekend. Now, we can be certain that there's not going to be much action there. So let's just talk yeah. about the rest of the year. Um, after that, we've got Germany. Now, that's <laughs> we know that that can prove a, prove a good race. Is this the one where they go Wait. back to the Nürburgring? This is Nürburgring. Yeah, but not the this proper not, one, though, is it? It's not the real one. No, though. It's, it, the, no it's, it's not the, the full the, ring. It's, it's the... No. But it's not it's the, Oh, this we're near it. We'll call ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm um, proper excited for that Nürburgring. That's a great track. I mean, we, we've got we've got a cracking calendar. I'm just looking at it here. After that, we've got Portugal. After that, we're going back to Italy again. Then we're off to Turkey for the first time in, God, how long? Yeah, none of you are nerds enough for that, are you? Um, no, I'm, I'm probably too young for that, to be honest, mate. I'm not even going to lie. If I'd known the answer, I would have said it. But uh, after that, we're going to um, Bahrain for the, the usual Bahrain Grand Prix, even though it's not the second one. It's the 15th race of the year. Then we're staying there for another week, and we're going to do what sounds like this ultimately insanely fast track, which none of us have seen yet, um, which I believe is... 87 it? laps. 2011 was the last... Turkish Grand Prix. Good Googling, Matt. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, and then we, we're planning to finish the season, uh, round 17 in Abu Dhabi. Um, As you should. Which is the other most boring race of the year. But um, And I think this year, Lewis Hamilton would have won it by the time we get to um, the Nürburgring. So, um, 
we have got some good races coming up. There's going to be a lot more action, certainly, um, this year. Let's just hope that we can have all of these races, you know, as planned. I'm excited, though, because as we've seen throughout countless examples in history, adversity always breeds opportunity. And the people who can take the opportunity are often the ones who will give you the most entertainment and satisfaction. Wow. Wow. <laughs> mm, put that on a T-shirt. If that <laughs> ever was a podcast closer, uh, brilliant. One. That's going to be the podcast brilliant. opener. I'm going to put that before the intro this time. Um, I'll send you my fee later, Rolly. That's all right. I've already paid it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about the Russian Grand Prix. Um, it might be a short episode. We're, we're not we're not sure yet for obvious reasons, but it could be chaos. Could be three red flags. Who knows with this season the way it is? And God bless 2020. We've we're going to have as it stands 17 rounds of racing, which is a heck of a lot more than I had anticipated. So we've got a podcast talking about it. That's what. What more could you ask for in your life, really? Um, if you don't already follow us. Here comes the plug. Facebook, we're on there. All you need to do is type in Formula Nerds. Um, Instagram, just type in at Formula Nerds. There we are. There's a lot of funny, funny stuff on there. And if you don't laugh, then you should probably unsubscribe and not even listen to this podcast. Wait, let's not go that far. No, no. (laughs) These views do not represent the (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, obviously, please leave a comment on this um, podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. It's really important. Five star button, hit it, hit it, punch it. Um, Get us up the ratings ladder. Get us to number one, or or in the top fifty would be great too. We have number forty four at the moment. That's ironic. No, we are number forty four in sports podcasts. So, um, oh dear, happy days. As a Lewis Hamilton fan, I will say, <laughs> oh. As a Ferrari fan, we're not quitting on this podcast. How about that? No, we need to get to number five. Oh, before the end of the year. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, we are going to write off the podcast. Uh, it's not uh, doing so well for us. Uh, it's much uh, more simple to focus on uh, 2021. I get uh, the better we'll mic. We'll be and, back uh, in uh, three years. Uh, uh, would you like a parmesan with my uh, stereotypical accent? Right. And on that note, thanks for listening. Matt, thank <laughs> you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And make sure if you guys have any questions at all, you want to hear us debate, argue make jokes about make sure to send us a message on facebook or any platform you can find us on we would be happy to dive into that for you will thank you for your accents today it wouldn't have been the same without you (laughs) no problem remember guys to check out our youtube channel where we've got all of our old videos that we upload if you just want somewhere to go and binge for a bit uh we have them on facebook too but it's just a bit of variety in your life and that is the spice of life as they say so thanks for listening and to Johnny, thank you for joining us. I'm not going to plug anything. No, you <laughs> are. Johnny, what are you doing? <laughs> this has been brilliant. Thanks, guys. Johnny, Thanks you have to plug me. something. There's something very special. Uh, I guess it would be uh, the web aside. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> com. Go in there. Um, we're always putting on some fun stuff. There's some great numbers in the beginning there for you to kind of ponder how much they actually do race in the season. Uh, Other than that, we'll see you next week. So thanks very much for listening. We out of here till next week. Goodbye. This is the Formula Nerds podcast where we talk everything F1, the latest results, what's going on in the sport, controversy, and of course, rumours. Sports Social Podcast Network.